Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. In this hour, we are going to talk to Dr. Gary Chapman. Now, Dr. Chapman has written a book. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is uh, a marriage counselor, and he's an author. He's served at the Cavalry Baptist Church in Winston-Salem since 1971 and is a senior associate pastor responsible for adult discipleship, marriage counseling, and pastoral care. So he knows quite a lot about about love and the languages of love, and he wrote a book. It's called The Five Love Languages, and um, we're going to talk to Dr. Chapman right now. Dr. Chapman? Hello, Kevin. How are you doing, buddy? I'm just doing great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Good. I, if I could just figure out what the five languages of love are, I would be a lot better off, I got the feeling. Well, then I can take care of that, Kevin. <laughs> I appreciate that. First of all, you have a lovely accent. Where are you calling from? North Carolina. A beautiful area, North uh, Carolina. Oh, yeah. Winston-Salem. It's just gorgeous. Now, let's talk about, a little bit about you. What, you've been uh, um, at the uh, uh, Baptist Church f- since 1971? Yeah, been at the same church for 32 years. That's pretty good for a Baptist, right? <laughs> <laughs> pretty good for anybody. Uh, yeah, I've been here a long time, and it's been good to have roots with people through the years and uh, help them with their marriages and with their families. It's been an exciting, exciting time. I've, I've enjoyed my time here. I can't imagine any more rewarding work than helping people get through. You know, marriage is a commitment by two people, and it doesn't always, you know, it's not always a bed of roses, and it's always can. It, most of the time, there are rough spots, and it's, it must be really rewarding to help people through those. Well, it is, Kevin, because as you say, you know, a lot of people, in fact, most people at some juncture in their lifetime, run into struggles in their marriage. And uh, if the marriage is fairly healthy, they sometimes run into struggles with their children because children don't always grow up to do what we wish they would do. Boy, ain't that the truth. Yeah, so working with marriages and families has been uh, really a very rewarding uh, ministry. And let's talk about the uh, five love languages. Now, that's the name of the book. What What made you write the book? Now, you've got several books with the same type of title out, don't you? Yes, and the one we're talking about today was the original one uh, because it was written specifically to married couples. It's just called The Five Love Languages, Helping Married Couples Learn How to Connect Emotionally. Uh, what happened, Kevin, I had realized uh, for a number of years in my counseling that uh, what made one person feel loved did not make another person feel loved. So people would sit in my office and say, I just feel like my husband doesn't love me or my wife doesn't love me. And uh, then they would proceed to tell what their husband either did or did not do. And uh, so I had been for a long time with just individual couples trying to help them hear each other and discover what the other partner needed in order to feel loved. So I had worked uh, with individual couples for a long time, and uh, it dawned on me one day that I was going over the same things again and again and again with individual couples. And I thought, you know, uh, there's got to be a common denominator to all of this. So I went through 20 years of my own counseling notes, the notes I made when I was talking with people, and asked myself, when people said, I don't feel loved, 
what did they want? And I listed those things and put them in categories. And the five love languages is came out of that because all of them fell into these five categories. So I really have become convinced that these are pretty much fundamental uh, love languages. These are things that make people feel loved. Now, within each of the languages, there are dialects. You know, I speak English with a southern dialect, and others speak English with a different dialect. That'd be me. Yeah, okay. And so the same thing is true with love. There are lots of ways to speak each language, but there are five fundamental languages. And uh, the other concept that I discovered was that not only are there five fundamental languages, but everybody has a primary love language. One of the five speaks more deeply to them emotionally than the other four. And if you don't speak a person's primary love language, then they probably will not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. So the key is learning how to help people discover each other's primary language and learn how to speak it. Well, and there's also just the basic differences between men and women. Well, there are those differences, though I don't, uh, I don't explore those uh, in the book because... You know, anytime you say, well, this is a female language, this is a male language, you're going to have about 25% of the people that don't fit the category. Oh, sure. So what I prefer to do is just to say, you know, these are languages that people speak. And uh, what's important is not which ones are female and which ones are male. What's important is that you learn to speak the love language of your spouse if you're married. Or if you're a parent, you learn to speak the love language of your child. Uh, or, you know, whomever you're trying to express love to. So I've tried to keep it on a non-gender basis, but put it on an individual basis of learning how to emotionally connect and help meet someone's need for love. And uh, we need to go through those, but I guess the first thing we need to do is to discuss the five love languages, Okay. and then we can break them down and, and understand them a little bit more completely. Okay. So the first one is? Words of affirmation. Using words... To affirm the other person. Uh, you look nice in that dress. Ooh, do you ever look tough tonight? You know, I, I find a lot of wives have never said that. Uh, you know, in, in some of my seminars, I have them repeat that after me. Ooh, do you ever look tough tonight? <laughs> Most men would love to hear that, you know? And, uh, you but, it, it, you know, it's expressing appreciation. I, I appreciate you taking the garbage out. This was a really good meal. Anything. You just look for things that you can verbally affirm the other person for. See, I always get in trouble because sometimes I trip over my words and I would end up saying something like, well, you know what? That dress doesn't make you look nearly as fat as the other one does. <laughs> and, and that's why, Kevin, we have to learn to speak these languages, okay? <laughs> Boy, no kidding, because I can get into a world of trouble. If, if, if I, do you have to wear that one? You just don't look nearly as skinny in that one, dear. And the other thing, Kevin, is, you know, there are a lot of people, it's very hard for them to give affirming words, uh-huh. probably because they didn't hear affirming words growing up, and they really never learned to speak affirming words. So now they get married, and, and they say, you know, it's, it's just hard for me to say some of those kind things to my wife. It just, it's just not me. And what I say to them is, you know, this is why I use the word language. It is difficult to learn a second language. You know, if you, you try to learn a second language other than your native tongue, and it's going to take some time if you're an adult to learn how to speak that language, well, the same thing is true with love. But the point is, you can do it. 
everybody can learn to speak words of affirmation. It may take some time. In fact, I said to a guy just the other day, you know, look, get you a notebook and start writing down the, the words that you hear other people say. If you hear some other husband compliment his wife, say something to his wife, you hear it on television, you read it in a newspaper or a magazine, write it down. And then stand in front of the mirror and read them out loud to yourself just so you hear yourself saying these things. And then one day you pick out one of them and you walk up behind your wife when she's looking in another direction and you say one of them and then you run. (laughs) (laughs) And you're trying... Go ahead. Yeah, and you've broken the sound barrier, you know, and you'll start doing it. And every time you say something positive, uh, it becomes easier, and you learn to speak the love language, words of affirmation. And you just try to hide the cue cards. As for, <laughs> That's right. You hide the cards. You memorize the lines. <laughs> exactly. We're talking with Dr. David, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, and he's written the book, The Five Love Languages. We're going to come back with more. <laughs> Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We're talking to Dr. Gary Chapman, and he has written the book, The Five Love Languages. And uh, uh, he is... Over there, it's ninety something degrees over there. Ninety three degrees today, Kevin. And and the humidity over there is not. It's, we don't know what humidity is over uh, there. The humidity is high here. It's a hot summer day. It is a hot summer day, and we're glad you're here and you're inside and and hopefully in an air conditioned facility. Yeah, and I'm gonna think Seattle. Please do, please do. <laughs> okay, we're talking about the five love languages. We've touched on the words of affirmation, affirmation, and just a, a little bit more on that because there are a lot of people that. Their parents did not give them the positive feedback and and the words to be able to then turn around and express it to somebody else, did they? That's right, and we have to learn how to do it. And it's both ways. You know, I was talking some time ago with a uh, professional football player, and he had come to one of my conferences, and uh, he said after uh, after the session, he said, Dr. Chapman, I read your book on the five love languages, and I realized that my primary love language is words. But I had never heard my father say the words, I love you. And he said it was like there was a hole in my heart. You know, I just always wanted to hear my father say those words. And he said, after I read the book, I kept waiting. Every time I would make a phone call, I'd hope he'd say the words. And he said, a friend of mine said, you know, man, why are you waiting? Why don't you tell him that you love him and see what happens? So he said, in a phone conversation, at the end of the conversation, I said to my father, I love you, Dad. And my father said, I love you too, son. And he said, I hung up and I cried 30 minutes uncontrollably because I had finally heard the words. You see, those uh, for whom this is not their primary love language cannot fathom how important it is for uh, uh, the person whose language is words to hear the words, I love you, from the significant people in their lives. And what he said was, after that, every phone conversation they had, he would tell his father, I love you, and his father would say, I love you too. So, you know, once you break the barrier, uh, you, you can learn to speak words of affirmation. Oh, that's wonderful. What's the second one of the, the five? The second to love language is acts of service. It's doing things for people. You know, you've heard the old saying, actions speak louder than words. You bet. Well, that's true for some people, because for some people, this is their primary love language, acts of service. So it's doing things for people that uh, you know they would like for you to do. Uh, For example, cooking a meal is an act of service. In fact, it's a big act of service. 
uh, washing dishes is an act of service. Vacuuming floors, uh, you know, washing, uh, washing the car, mm-hmm. or washing the baby, or changing the baby's diaper. You know, anything that uh, you know the other person would be pleased if you did it. So it's in doing things for people that I, they feel loved. I have to tell you, Doctor, that was one of the most um, precious things that I ever did for my wife was changing a baby's diaper. Changing a baby's diaper, You yeah. have no idea how big an act of service that oh, was Oh, that's me. a loud one. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and the act of service can be anything uh, uh, that you feel that you are giving to another person through an act that you're doing, right? Yeah, and you know, the way you, the way you pick up on that is if you're around a person, uh, you'll hear them say periodically, Honey, would you do this for me? Well, if they ask you to do that for them, you can, you can just assume that's really important for them. So if you do it the next time without their asking, it's even, it even speaks louder. Wow. So it's time for us to take notes because I get those messages. <laughs> I, I get those all the time. <laughs> if you take notes, Kevin, you have, you have a good format of, of what would make your spouse feel loved if you listen to what they're saying. Oh, yeah. And because that, that she is very subtle, but, but the messages are clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. what's, what's the third one? A third love language is gifts. Uh, you know, we normally think of love as gifts a lot of time. I mean, this is a rather common love language. Uh, but it's giving the person something. And, and I like to remind people that the word gift comes from the Greek word charis, which means literally unmerited. So it's not saying to a child, you know, if you'll clean your room, I'll get you the basketball you wanted. I we mean, that's it, a business deal. Yeah, you we know? call that negotiation. Yeah, it's negotiation. That's a bargain, you know. I mean, the kid next door will do that for you, you know. <laughs> They'll come over and clean the room if you'll give them a ball. Yeah. So that, that's, not, that's not a gift. A gift is giving a child or giving your spouse something, not because they've done something for you, but because you simply want to express love to them. And a gift is a physical a token that says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got for me. You know, you have to think about somebody to get them a gift. And so the gift communicates on an emotional level that this person really loves me. They were thinking about me. That is, I think I can chalk that up to being what my wife's uh, love language would be. Okay, okay. So what, what would number four be? Number four would be quality time, uh, by which I mean you give someone your undivided attention. Now, I'm not talking about being in the same room watching television <laughs> because, you know, somebody else has your attention. But I'm talking about being in the same room with the TV off, looking at each other and talking. You know, no one else has your attention. You're looking at them. Or taking a walk down the road, just the two of you. Or going out to eat and looking at each other and talking. Incidentally, Kevin, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you go to a restaurant, you can almost always tell the difference between dating couples and married couples. You bet. (laughs) Dating couples? We'll look at each other and talk. Married couples sit there and eat. You know, know, I get the biggest kick out of that. And you get the same thing when you see two people driving in a car. Yes, that's uh, true. It's it's you can always not always, but a lot of times you can tell who is enthralled with each other and who is like, well, we're driving to the store kind of that's thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, because not only will they be talking to each other, but they'll probably be sitting close to each other. Absolutely. We yeah, had, which which is love language number five: physical touch. There you go. Uh, so you know, the the dating couple is sitting close to each other. 
a married couple is sitting, you know, a lot of distance. Yeah, I don't know if you heard this. The lady was, uh, they were at, a, at a, a traffic light, and the older lady said to her husband, look at that couple up there. Look how close they are. Hey, they're kissing. And then she said, do you remember when we used to sit close like that? And he said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then there was a moment of silence, and he said, guess who moved? that's very very true you know we had a a segment a couple of weeks ago and one of the ladies that was here they were talking about quality time and she says we're talking about the actually the differences between men and women Mm -hmm. and she quality time on her list in her love language was a huge thing and she said i just don't can't seem to get him to understand Mm -hmm. that his definition of quality time and mine is different. Yeah. He thinks that by quality time, him being in the garage and me being in the kitchen, uh-huh. his yeah. quality time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the same house. <laughs> <laughs> We're spending time together. We're together. <laughs> hey, but but the the reality and and there are other folks that are sitting there going, "No, wait a minute. You want me to turn off the TV?" And just talk? Yeah. We have nothing to talk about. What are we going to talk about? That's right. You want to talk? About what? <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, I'd like to go down the road of, of okay, so we now have got these love languages and, and, and trying to find out what yours is, and more importantly, finding out what your partner's is mm-hmm. so that you can make your life just a little bit better. So we'll be right back after these messages. We're talking with Dr. Gary Chapman, and he's written the book, The Five Love Languages, on Positive Talk Radio here on KKNW 1150 AM. We'll be right back. 1150 AM. We're talking with Dr. Gary Chapman. He has written the book, The Five Love Languages. And actually now, doctor, this book has been out for 10, 11 years now? Yes. Yes. Came out first in uh, 92. And congratulations are in order. I understand that you've now sold two million copies. Yes. The publisher last week uh, made me aware of that. Two million copies. And uh, you know what's been interesting, Kevin, is every year the book sells more than it did the year before which means that people are reading it and telling their friends about it, and that's exciting. Yes, it is, because, well, I'll tell you, I think every couple in America at one point or another is going, okay, now, I don't get this, because I know, (laughs) I think he loves me, but he's just not showing it anymore, and and, and he's saying, well, you know what, I think she loves me, but I just don't see it. So how... When you look at the five love languages, if if one is looking for, first of all, how do you know what your primary love language is? Well, I'll give you two or three clues, uh, Kevin. One is you ask yourself, how do I most often express my love to other people? Whether it's a spouse or whether it's a work colleague or anybody, how do I typically express my appreciation or my love for somebody else? You know, and if you think about it, it's pretty easy to figure that out because you just look at yourself. And some people are always giving words of encouragement. I mean, you can know if you stay with them five minutes, they're going to say something positive about the way you look today or about something you did for them. They're going to give you words. And other people, uh, they don't do that at all. But they're always giving gifts. Every time they go away, they'll bring you a gift. Uh, They're bringing things to the office at work and giving them to people. Uh, So how do you typically express your love to somebody else? You know, if you're the kind of person that pats people on the back and you're always giving people hugs, then physical touch is probably your language. Because most of us speak our own language. 
That is, whatever would speak deeply to us, that's what we do for other people. Now, I say most of us because maybe 25% that would not be true. Probably 75 to 80% of us, we speak our own language. We speak what we would like to hear. Uh, There are others, of course, who have learned how to speak a particular language because their parents taught them. You know, you have the, the young man whose father said, Son, whatever you do, always give her gifts. Give her gifts. Don't ever miss a holiday and then throw in a few gifts on days that aren't holidays. So he's, he's a gift giver. He's, he gives gifts. But it's not because he wants gifts. It's because he learned that from his father. It's part of his negotiation process to that's stay right. in the house. That's right. So that's just a clue. Uh, how do you express love to others? A second clue is uh, what do you complain about most often? Now, this is a real clue. Because if you're the kind of person who's saying to your spouse, you know, we don't ever spend any time together. I mean, and if we're like two ships passing in the dark. I mean, I wish we could have some time together. Then you're complaining about quality time. You're not getting it, and you're complaining about it. So what do you complain about? Uh, if you say uh, to your spouse when they come home from a trip, you mean you didn't bring me anything? <laughs> you're saying loud and clearly, gifts is my love language. <laughs> so if you'll listen to your own complaint, Uh, you will discover your love language. And the flip side of that is, uh, what do you request most often? Uh, If you are saying to your spouse uh, rather regularly, uh, does this look all right? You're asking them for words of affirmation. If you say, do you you think I did this okay? You say, you're asking for words of affirmation. If you say, uh, uh, can we take a walk together after dinner tonight? Or could we go out and eat? Or could we spend a weekend and get away, you think? Uh, you're asking for quality time. So what do you ask for? So if you put those three together, for most people, it's pretty easy to discover your primary love language. Okay, doctor. So now we know who, what our love language is and what our, even our spouse's love language is. But how do we mesh the two so that we can cohabitate and understand each other? Well, I think that's the, that's the real key to the whole thing is that you discover your love language so you realize what you need from your spouse, what you would like from your spouse, and you discover your spouse's primary love language. And you do it the same way. You know, what do they complain about? What do they request? And and how do they express love to others? And so when you figure out their love language, then some people say, you know, now I've got a problem because (laughs) now I know what would make my spouse feel loved, but I don't want to do it. You know, I'm I'm not a doer. Maybe their love language is acts of service, and I don't want to I don't want to do those things. Like one husband said to me, you know, Doctor Chapman, if it's going to take washing dishes and vacuuming floors and doing laundry for my wife to feel loved, you can forget it. You know, and and I said to him, well, that's your choice. You know, if you want to live with a wife whose love tank is empty. <laughs> You know, that's your choice. You know? Yeah, it's not a very good choice. Yeah, I'm but... telling you, women aren't very, aren't, aren't very pleasant to be around when their love tank is empty. And, and so what I say to people is, you know, you don't love somebody in order to get. You love because people need to love and we need to love. You know, loving and being loved are the, are the two deepest emotional uh, experiences. Uh, feeling love meets our need and expressing love gives you a wonderful sense of accomplishment. You've done something for someone else. In fact, you've done a great thing for someone else. So, uh, but when you do choose to love, typically what happens is the spouse will, will begin to reciprocate. And I don't mean overnight. 
You know, I have people read the book and say, well, Dr. Chapman, I discovered my wife's love language, and so I started speaking it. But I did it a whole week, and I didn't see any difference at all, you know. <laughs> You've been married 20 years, and in a week of yeah, that, you're yeah, a nice guy. Yeah. So it takes time, obviously, if your spouse doesn't feel loved for a while, it takes time. But if you consistently speak their love language, because people so desperately need love, chances are that your spouse will eventually begin to reciprocate. They will feel warmly towards you, and they will begin to reach out and sometimes even ask, what could I do for you? And you can teach them to speak your love language. That Which is really what it's all about, because communication and listening is the key to it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, here's what's encouraged me, Kevin. I've had couples who say to me, Doc Chapman, we were, we were just next door to divorce, and somebody gave us your book, and we read it, and it was like the lights came on, and we thought, why didn't we know this, you know, years ago? And they said, we started speaking each other's language, and within two months, we had warm feelings again for each other. You see, there is an emotional aspect to love, and that's really what I'm addressing in the book, is how do you help someone feel loved, and how do you have that sense, that emotional sense that your spouse loves you? Well, it comes from speaking each other's primary love language. And by nature, we don't do that. By nature, we speak our own language, and it's not the spouse's language. You know, so I have a lot of people, Kevin, who will say, you know, my wife says she doesn't feel loved, and I don't get it. I mean, I work, I pay the bills, I wash the car, I, I, uh, uh, I, I do the yard, you know, and, and, and she doesn't feel loved. What does she want? And my answer is, hey, now you're asking the right question. What does she want? Exactly, because isn't doesn't it happen a lot where where a, someone will come to you that's really frustrated and say, you know, I just don't understand. We had this argument, and then we made it, and all I wanted was a hug, and he goes out and washes my car. That's right, that's right. And she's in there thinking, you know, he's out there washing the car again. You know, I just <laughs> wish he'd put his arms around me one time, put his arms around me, you know. And he's and, out there going, oh, I love her a lot. I'm yeah, sure, look what yeah, I'm doing for you, yeah, babe. Yeah, yeah, he's proud of himself for what he's doing. <laughs> you know. And see, that, that's what I say to people. You know, it's not enough to be sincere. I mean, it's wonderful that he's doing that for her, but it's not enough to be sincere. We've got to learn how to speak the other person's language. Now, in one of these, we're talking about physical touch. And I, I want to address that because I think that, that there are some people who get physical touch touch confused with sexual activity. Yeah, and I deal with that specifically in the book, Kevin, because a lot of a lot of men, for example, will read the book and immediately say, Oh, I know my love language, you know. <laughs> and they equate physical touch with sex. And because they're not getting enough sexual uh, response from their spouse, uh, you know, they feel like, well, that's what I want. But the fact is, if the sexual need were being met, they very likely would realize, you know, that's not my love language. I mean, I appreciate that. I want that. But that's not what really makes me feel loved. What makes me feel loved is when she tells me how wonderful I am or, you know, or one of the other languages. So I think we have to make a distinction, particularly for men, we have to make a distinction. And if physical touch is your primary love language, then you like non-sexual touch as well. That is, you know, her rubbing your back mm-hmm. or her just reaching out and hugging you or kissing you on the cheek or putting her hand on your leg as you drive down the road, or holding hands with you, you know, those things make you really, really feel loved, apart from the sexual act itself. So if you don't feel loved by that kind of touch, then it's probably not your primary love language. 
What do you do when it's the lady in the relationships, physical touches, her love language, and but every time she does that, it leads down a path that she doesn't want to go. Yeah, I think that's when he has to realize uh, the same principle we're talking about, that sex is not to be equated with physical touch. That if that's her primary love language, yeah, she's going to enjoy the sexual relationship with him, but she likes a lot of non-sexual touch. And so he's going to have to learn how to put his arms around her and hold hands with her and, and, and embrace her and kiss her without having sex every time. And, and that's a way of speaking her love language, because if it goes to sex every time, she may, even though that's her language, she may feel used by him rather than loved by him. It's kind of like a time bomb going off. You're not sure if, when, when that's going to happen, and, and, and the, it needs to be different than that. Yeah, that's right. He, he's going to have to learn how to give her lots of non-sexual touches, just affirming, loving touches. And when he does that, then the sexual part of the marriage will, will have its proper role in the relationship, and she will certainly feel loved by that. And, of course, he will, he will feel loved by that. But uh, he's going to have to learn to give her a lot of non-sexual touches as well. Now, I know that this is a book that is for couples, and it's designed, it's designed to be read by both of them and work together on, correct? Right, right. Now, uh, oftentimes, that the and, and women as well as men, but one of the partners who really is not interested in understanding this or pursuing it, can one person affect a change in a marriage by changing their behavior? I believe they can, Kevin. In fact, I dedicate a, a chapter in the book to that. Because that's often the case, what you've just said, that one, one person will be into reading a book on marriage and want to discuss it, and the other one doesn't want to read it, and they don't even want to talk about it. So in the book, I explore that, that possibility, and I teach the person how to discover their spouse's love language and how to speak it, even though they may not feel a lot of positive feelings toward their spouse because they're not getting love. They learn to speak the language, and once you begin to do it consistently, uh, then you say something like this to your spouse. You know, I've really been working lately on trying to be a better husband or a better wife, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, how, how, how am I coming across? I mean, you know, how, how's it looking to you? And when they start giving you positive comments and say, you know, I really like it. I mean, it's been wonderful. The way you've treated me the last two months has been absolutely wonderful. And, and you say, well, I've really been working at trying to be a better uh, husband or wife, and I, I'm glad to hear that because that's what I want to be. And you know, that's all you say. But then a week later, you make a request of them. Now that you know that you're getting through to them emotionally, now you make a request of them. Uh, you know, you say, honey, you know something I'd really like for us to do? And you share it with them. And since they feel loved by you, they're very likely to respond. And when they do, you begin to feel loved. And so by making requests, you teach them how to speak your love language, even though they've never read the book, they don't even know the concept, but you're teaching them how to, how to speak your love language, and consequently, you begin to feel loved. It's that big C word again. It's that communication, isn't it? Right, and somebody's got to start it, you know, and so one person can do it. It's ideal, obviously, if both couples, both people will read the book and discuss it with each other and, and explore it together, but one person can start the process, and, uh, and, if, and many people... I'm not going to say every spouse will respond positively, but many will, and uh, the marriage can really be reborn. And that is something that takes a lot of patience, because you can't expect to read the book and turn it around and, and, and have it, everything change in a week, right? No, that's exactly right. But you know, uh, within, three, within three months, Kevin, 
uh, almost everybody that reads the book will, will begin to see marked improvement in the emotional climate between the two of them, even if just one of them is speaking the language. <laughs> because the other one likely is to say, you know, I don't know what's different, but there's something different yeah. going on yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. All right. If you have a question for the good doctor, you can give us a call at 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with more with Dr. Gary Chapman, who's written the book, The Five Love Languages. I believe we still have some books to give away, too. We do have some books to give give away. Give a call in if you want to win the book. Yeah, somebody called. They didn't want to come on the radio. It's that that relationship thing again, I think. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We're talking with Dr. Gary Chapman, and he's written the book, The Five Love Languages. Dr. Chapman, I wanted to ask you real quick, um, when we talk about the five love languages, can that be applied to your kids? You know, it can, Kevin. In fact, after I wrote the original book, a few years later, I wrote a book called The Five Love Languages of Children. And I teamed up with Dr. Ross Campbell, who has had 30 years' experience as a psychiatrist in working with children. And together we wrote that book. It's the same five languages we've talked about, but it's helping parents discover the primary love language of their children because there's a lot of children that don't feel loved, even though the parents love them because they aren't speaking the right love language. And in the book we talk about how this affects a child's learning, how it affects discipline, and how it affects a child's anger. And one of the very encouraging things to us is that not only are parents and grandparents reading that book, but a lot of public schools are now using that book in teacher workshops because when children come to school with empty love tanks, they don't learn very well. And obviously teachers can't take the place of parents, but teachers can learn the primary love language of the children and in speaking it, they create a better learning uh, climate. So if you have like a 15-year-old son and all you can get him to do is grunt at you in the morning, uh, because, you know, he's a teenager, and I think I know what his love language is. Uh-huh. His love uh-huh. language is responsibility and independence and e- <laughs> equality. And, uh, he, you know, he walks around the house with the Declaration of Independence. I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> You know, uh, Kevin, that's what stimulated me just a few years ago to write a third book on this series called The Five Love Languages of Teenagers, and it's also written for parents because teenagers are a different breed. I mean, you're exactly right. And and the theme is independence and self-identity and rational thinking. We usually say they're argumentative. <laughs> they're, they're learning how to think logically, and they're questioning us, and they're combating us uh, intellectually on things. And their emotions are fluctuating up and down. So how can you be effective in loving a teenager when they're going through all of that? And uh, that's why I wrote that book. In fact, some parents who had read the book on the five love languages of children uh, said to me, you know, Dr. Chapman, we read the book and it was wonderful and it really, really helped with our children. But then our children became teenagers and we're doing the same thing and it's not working. And, And their question was, Uh, Does their love language change when they get to be teenagers? And my answer was, I don't think so. But you'll have to speak new dialects of their primary love language because whatever you've been doing, they consider childish, and they don't want that. For example, if their love language is physical touch and you've been hugging and kissing, they don't want that now because that's kid stuff. So you have to learn to give them different kinds of touches 
You know, you elbow them, you hit them on the shoulder, you trip them, you wrestle them. <laughs> you know, you have to give them more adult touches. And the same thing's true with words. You don't continue to give them the same sweet words you gave them when they were children. Now you've got to find some different words to express uh, your your love to them verbally. Yeah, but the the words that I express verbally to my 15-year-old, my wife says are just the wrong ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with a teenager, because their emotions are fluctuating, you can say something or do something in the morning, and they accept it. Do the same thing in the afternoon, and they don't accept it. And I'm standing so, and, there going, what? what? Yeah, yeah, that can be very frustrating. But if you learn their primary love language, it's not going to change. And no matter how they respond on a particular occasion, like if physical touch is their language, they still need touch. And if they obviously, if you reach up and touch them and they draw back, well, then fine, don't pursue it at the moment. But if that's their primary language, they still need it. So later on tonight or tomorrow, you give them a different kind of touch and they receive it. Yeah, when he when he was a preteen, I used to be able to come up and give him a hug. And now when I go to give him a hug, I get this look of horror across yeah, his face. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So That's why you have to hit him on the shoulder and then jump back. Yeah, know? but he hits back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, protect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Chapman, it's been a pleasure having you on. Well, thank you, Kevin. I've enjoyed chatting with you. And the five love languages, you can pick it up at virtually any bookstore. It sold two million copies. And as well as the uh, um, love languages of a child and a teenager. And then you've got a new one that you just did. Yeah, it just came out uh, a few months ago called The Love Languages of God, in which I apply this whole thing to our relationship with God. And uh, I'm really excited about that book. It sold 100,000 copies already. And it's just been out a few months, so I'm excited about it. If you cannot find any of uh, uh, Dr. Chapman's books, you can go to www.moodypress.org, and you can order the book of your choice at that point, or at Barnes & Noble and all the local bookstores, Amazon.com, and you can go to all those places. Dr. Great. Chapman, again, thank you for coming on. Well, Kevin, I enjoyed being with you. Well, good. And by the way, Katie Evans just wandered in the room. She's got the show right after me. It's called Lighten Up, and she's on at uh, uh, 106. I didn't know if you had any questions for the good doctor. Katie. Oh, I, I have a story. I, oh, I was okay. reminded okay. as I was listening to the show. I have a very dear friend, and he would frequently say to me, you know, I was going to get us tickets to go to the concert or go to the, and And he'd just stop like, and then I was supposed to, oh, were you? Thank you. And he thought that he that he was complimenting me because he had thought about it. And I explained to him that it was an insult because he didn't do it. <laughs> and he said later, he told me uh, he, ch uh, he completely changed his whole perception of how to communicate with women. Mm -hmm. But it, mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, I want don't tell me and then not do it. I want yeah. the doing. Yeah. Don't so, tell me you thought about something. <laughs> that doesn't work. So I was thinking about this story as I was listening. This is oh, what a great topic. Oh, thank you. Can well, I pretend I'm a caller and get one of the books? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're now, in luck today, Katie. You <laughs> Absolutely. Now, if you would like to off-air, get one of these books, you may give us a call at 4 I won't put you on the air. 425-373-5527. <laughs> Talk to Ross. We'll get your address, and we will uh, and we will uh, send the book But there's only you. four left now. <laughs> but there's only four left now. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Chapman, thank you very much. Again, if you need to find his book www.moodypress.org. It's the five languages of love. Thank you, Dr. Gary Chapman. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. You have a great day. Thank you, sir. Take care. Katie Evans, by gum, how are you? By, funny you should mention by gum. <laughs> Guess who my guest is today? Dr. Gum.
No, Dr. Lee, she's a dentist. <laughs> hey, you're good. She is a cosmetic dentist specializing in cosmetic dentistry. Oh, good. And she has a dental spa. Now, a dental spa? I am assured that a dental, in a dental spa, you don't go and have your teeth get a facial. <laughs> Soak, soak in a jacuzzi. Yeah, so, soak your teeth in a jacuzzi. I take love out it. those dentures and put them in the bubbly. <laughs> You've been to my mother's house. <laughs> but she specializes in neuromuscular dentistry. Cool. And yeah. making, her, making your teeth fit your whole face and looking beautiful. And she's an expert at it. And I'm really excited to find out all about what's, hap- what's new and exciting in that wonderful world of dentistry. Well, you know... I can tell you, if they could just cure one thing, and would you please ask her about this? Okay. Can you fix the drill sound? Get rid of that, I'm okay. <laughs> Hits that sound. That one, Boy, oh. You know, that brings up some childhood stuff, doesn't it? Boy, you oh. just, you, you, whatever chair you're sitting in, you want to run right out of it. <laughs> childhood, I have to, it takes oh. you know, like an armed guard to get me to go to the dentist these days. But you know what? It's different now. The sound's the same, but it's different. Did you ever see Steve Miller do the dentist on? It was um, Steve wh- Martin. Steve Martin. Steve Martin do the dentist <laughs> Steve on. Steve Miller. So sorry. <laughs> Some people call him the space cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> No, Steve Martin do the dentist on uh, what was the name of that? The oh, the show? movie. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. plant eating thing. Yes, the plant. You remember that one? Little Man- Shop of Horrors. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I, we rely upon Eric for so much. He's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> A little that that is my version of the dentist because when I was when I was growing up, I literally the, the and he's out of practice now, but um, the dentist I had believed honestly that children should be seen and not heard, and so when I was in his dentist chair, it was like, shut up, you're not in any pain. Forget it. And and Novocaine. How awful. Well, so, yeah, so it was painful. How awful. And so it, the only way that uh, nowadays dentists are taught, you know, in school for pain management. And if, mm-hmm. if like, your left leg of the patient flies up. <laughs> it's a sign. <laughs> it's a sign that maybe there's pain. Well, it's like, no, you thought I was just doing aerobic exercises just, while I was sitting there. Just a little twitch. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no big deal. When I was a kid, it wasn't good. But, well, but, for all of us. I mean, and, you know, 50% of the population is dental phobic. Yes. And of those, you know, another 50% are needle phobic. So dentists got a tough road to hoe. You know, we'd rather fix our car than go to the dentist. I'm bill phobic, frankly. <laughs> bill phobic. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got that bill thing going on, too. <laughs> Once you get the bill, that's, that's what I collapse. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay until that point. That's right. The drill doesn't bother me. <laughs> the pain doesn't bother me. It's the check it's that, that I have to check. make out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when it's all, but when it's all said and done, you get to have pain and you have to pay for it, too. Exactly. So it's not like you get paid for any of this stuff. Exactly. And you can't even drive your teeth anywhere <laughs> when it's all done. Yeah, absolutely. But but you know what? There are lots of people that their self-esteem is affected by the, the look of their teeth and, and how I'm it one of them. presents their image. Absolutely. So I'm really interested to... to yeah. What's your name again? Dr. Trisha Lee. Perfect. And she's going to tell us all about how to be gorgeous starting with your teeth. At 106 right here at this very own station. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, darling. And you have a wonderful day. And I hope everyone out there has a wonderful day. We were talking with Gary Chapman. We were talking about the five love languages. And I think that that's really key. Communication, learning how to work with each other. Have a positive day. Do something nice for somebody else, would you? Don't, no, don't honk at him. Just let it go, okay? Thanks. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. 
Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.